What is Man and Other Essays by Mark Twain? Section 9. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Turning Point of My Life. 1. If I understand the idea, the bazaar invites several of us to write upon the above text. It means the change in my life's course which introduced what must be regarded by me as the most important condition of my career but it also implies without intention perhaps that that turning point itself was the creator of the new condition this gives it too much distinction too much prominence too much credit it is only the last link in a very long chain of turning points commissioned to produce the cardinal result it is not any more important than the humblest of its ten thousand predecessors each of the ten thousand did its appointed share on its appointed date in forwarding the scheme and they were all necessary to have left out any one of them would have defeated the scheme and brought about some other result i know we have a fashion of saying such and such an event was the turning point in my life but we shouldn't say it we should merely grant that its place as last link in the chain makes it the most conspicuous link in real importance it has no advantage over any one of its predecessors perhaps the most celebrated turning point recorded in history was the crossing of the rubicon suetonius says coming up with his troops on the banks of the rubicon he halted for a while and revolving in his mind the importance of the step he was on the point of taking he turned to those about him and said we may still retreat but if we pass this little bridge nothing is left for us but to fight it out in arms this was a stupendously important moment and all the incidents big and little of caesar's previous life had been leading up to it stage by stage link by link this was the last link merely the last one and no bigger than the others but as we gaze back at it through the inflating mists of our imagination it looks as big as the orbit of neptune you the reader have a personal interest in that link and so have i so has the rest of the human race it was one of the links in your life chain and it was one of the links in mine we may wait now with bated breath while caesar reflects your fate and mine are involved in his decision while he was thus hesitating the following incident occurred a person remarked for his noble mien and graceful aspect appeared close at hand sitting and playing upon a pipe when not only the shepherds but a number of soldiers also flocked to listen to him and some trumpeters among them he snatched a trumpet from one of them ran to the river with it and sounding the advance with a piercing blast crossed to the other side upon this caesar exclaimed let us go whither the omens of the gods and the iniquity of our enemies call us the die is cast so he crossed and changed the future of the whole human race for all time but that stranger was a link in caesar's life chain too and a necessary one we don't know his name we never hear of him again he was very casual he acts like an accident but he was no accident he was there by compulsion of his life chain to blow the electrifying blast that was to make up Caesar's mind for him, and thence go piping down the aisles of history forever. If the stranger hadn't been there, 
but he was and caesar crossed with such results such vast events each a link in the human race's life chain each event producing the next one and that one the next one and so on the destruction of the republic the founding of the empire the breaking up of the empire the rise of christianity upon its ruins the spread of the religion to other lands and so on link by link took its appointed place at its appointed time the discovery of america being one of them our revolution another the inflow of english and other immigrants another their drift westward my ancestors among them another the settlement of certain of them in missouri which resulted in me for i was one of the unavoidable results of the crossing of the rubicon if the stranger with his trumpet blast had stayed away which he couldn't for he was an appointed link caesar would not have crossed what would have happened in that case we can never guess we only know that the things that did happen would not have happened they might have been replaced by equally prodigious things of course but their nature and results are beyond our guessing but the matter that interests me personally is that i would not be here now but somewhere else and probably black there is no telling very well i am glad he crossed and very really and thankfully glad too though i never cared anything about it before two to me the most important feature of my life is its literary feature i have been professionally literary something more than forty years there have been many turning points in my life but the one that was the last link in the chain appointed to conduct me to the literary guild is the most conspicuous link in that chain because it was the last one it was not any more important than its predecessors all the other links have an inconspicuous look except the crossing of the rubicon but as factors in making me literary they are all of the one size the crossing of the rubicon included i know how i came to be literary and i will tell the steps that led up to it and brought it about the crossing of the rubicon was not the first one it was hardly even a recent one i should have to go back ages before caesar's day to find the first one to save space i will go back only a couple of generations and start with an incident of my boyhood when i was twelve and a half years old my father died it was in the spring the summer came and brought with it an epidemic of measles for a time a child died almost every day the village was paralyzed with fright distress despair children that were not smitten with the disease were imprisoned in their homes to save them from the infection in the homes there were no cheerful faces there was no music there was no singing but of solemn hymns no voice but of prayer no romping was allowed no noise no laughter the family moved spectrally about on tiptoe in a ghostly hush i was a prisoner my soul was steeped in this awful dreariness and in fear at some time or other every day and every night a sudden shiver shook me to the marrow and i said to myself there i've got it and i shall die life on these miserable terms was not worth living and at last i made up my mind to get the disease and have it over one way or the other i escaped from the house and went to the house of a neighbor where a playmate of mine was very ill with the malady when the chance offered i crept into his room and got into bed with him i was discovered by his mother and sent back into captivity but i had the disease they could not take that from me 
I came near to dying. The whole village was interested, and anxious, and sent for news of me every day, and not only once a day, but several times. Everybody believed I would die, but on the fourteenth day a change came for the worse, and they were disappointed. This was a turning point of my life, link number one, for when I got well my mother closed my school career and apprenticed me to a printer. She was tired of trying to keep me out of mischief, and the adventure of the measles decided her to put me into more masterful hands than hers. I became a printer, and began to add one link after another to the chain which was to lead me into the literary profession. A long road, but I could not know that, and as I did not know what its goal was, or even that it had one, I was indifferent, also contented. A young printer wanders around a good deal, seeking and finding work, and seeking again, when necessity commands. Nota bene. Necessity is a circumstance. Circumstance is man's master, and when circumstance commands, he must obey. He may argue the matter, that is his privilege, just as it is the honorable privilege of a falling body to argue with the attraction of gravitation. But it won't do any good. He must obey. I wandered for ten years under the guidance and dictatorship of circumstance, and finally arrived in a city of Iowa, where I worked several months. Among the books that interested me in those days was one about the Amazon. The traveler told an alluring tale of his long voyage up the great river from Para to the sources of the Madeira. Through the heart of an enchanted land, a land wastefully rich in tropical wonders, a romantic land where all the birds and flowers and animals were of the museum varieties, and where the alligator and the crocodile and the monkey seemed as much at home as if they were in the zoo. Also he told an astonishing tale about coca a vegetable product of miraculous powers, asserting that it was so nourishing and so strength-giving that the native of the mountains of the Madeira region would tramp up hill and down all day on a pinch of powdered coca and require no other sustenance. I was fired with a longing to ascend the Amazon, also with a longing to open up a trade in coca with all the world. During months I dreamed that dream, and tried to contrive ways to get to Para and spring that splendid enterprise upon an unsuspecting planet. But all in vain. A person may plan as much as he wants to, but nothing of consequence is likely to come of it until the magician Circumstance steps in and takes the matter off his hands. At last Circumstance came to my help. It was in this way. Circumstance, to help or hurt another man, made him lose a fifty-dollar bill in the street, and to help or hurt me, made me find it. I advertised the find, and left for the Amazon the same day. This was another turning point, another link. Could Circumstance have ordered another dweller in that town to go to the Amazon and open up a world trade in coca on a fifty-dollar basis, and been obeyed? No, I was the only one. There were other fools there, shoals and shoals of them, but they were not of my kind. I was the only one of my kind. Circumstance is powerful, but it cannot work alone. It has to have a partner. Its partner is man's temperament, his natural disposition. His temperament is not his invention, it is born in him, and he has no authority over it, neither is he responsible for its acts. He cannot change it, nothing can change it nothing can modify it, 
except temporarily. But it won't stay modified. It is permanent, like the color of the man's eyes and the shape of his ears. Blue eyes are gray in certain unusual lights, but they resume their natural color when that stress is removed. A circumstance that will coerce one man will have no effect upon a man of a different temperament. If circumstance had thrown the bank-note in Caesar's way, his temperament would not have made him start for the Amazon. His temperament would have compelled him to do something with the money, but not that. It might have made him advertise the note, and wait. We can't tell. Also it might have made him go to New York and buy into the government, with results that would leave Tweed nothing to learn when it came his turn. Very well. Circumstance furnished the capital and my temperament told me what to do with it. Sometimes a temperament is an ass. When that is the case, the owner of it is an ass, too, and is going to remain one. Training, experience, association can temporarily so polish him, improve him, exalt him, that people will think he is a mule, but they will be mistaken. Artificially he is a mule, for the time being, but at bottom he is an ass yet, and will remain one. By temperament I was the kind of person that does things, does them and reflects afterwards. So I started for the Amazon without reflecting, and without asking any questions. That was more than fifty years ago. In all that time my temperament has not changed, by even a shade. I have been punished many and many a time, and bitterly, for doing things and reflecting afterward but these tortures have been of no value to me. I still do the thing commanded by circumstance and temperament, and reflect afterward, always violently. When I am reflecting on those occasions, even deaf persons can hear me think. I went by the way of Cincinnati, and down the Ohio and Mississippi. My idea was to take ship at New Orleans for Para. In New Orleans I inquired, and found there was no ship leaving for Para, also that there never had been one leaving for Para. I reflected. A policeman came and asked me what I was doing, and I told him. He made me move on, and said if he caught me reflecting in the public street again, he would run me in. After a few days I was out of money. Then circumstance arrived, with another turning point of my life, a new link. On my way down I had made the acquaintance of a pilot. I begged him to teach me the river, and he consented. I became a pilot. By and by circumstance came again, introducing the Civil War this time, in order to push me ahead another stage or two toward the literary profession. The boats stopped running, my livelihood was gone. Circumstance came to the rescue with a new turning point and a fresh link. My brother was appointed secretary to the new territory of Nevada and he invited me to go with him and help him in his office. I accepted. In Nevada, circumstance furnished me the silver fever, and I went into the mines to make a fortune, as I supposed, but that was not the idea. The idea was to advance me another step toward literature. For amusement, I scribbled things for the Virginia City Enterprise. One isn't a printer ten years without setting up acres of good and bad literature, and learning, unconsciously at first, consciously later, to discriminate between the two, within his mental limitations. And meantime, he is unconsciously acquiring what is called a style. 
one of my efforts attracted attention and the enterprise sent for me and put me on its staff and so i became a journalist another link by and by circumstance and the sacramento union sent me to the sandwich islands for five or six months to write up sugar i did it and threw in a good deal of extraneous matter that hadn't anything to do with sugar but it was this extraneous matter that helped me to another link it made me notorious and san francisco invited me to lecture which i did and profitably i had long had a desire to travel and see the world and now circumstance had most kindly and unexpectedly hurled me upon the platform and furnished me the means so i joined the quaker city excursion when i returned to america circumstance was waiting on the pier with the last link the conspicuous the consummating the victorious link i was asked to write a book and i did it and called it the innocents abroad thus i became at last a member of the literary guild that was forty-two years ago and i have been a member ever since leaving the rubicon incident away back where it belongs i can say with truth that the reason i am in the literary profession is because i had the measles when i was twelve years old three now what interests me as regards these details is not the details themselves but the fact that none of them was foreseen by me none of them was planned by me i was the author of none of them circumstance working in harness with my temperament created them all and compelled them all i often offered help and with the best intentions but it was rejected as a rule uncourteously i could never plan a thing and get it to come out the way i planned it it came out some other way some way i had not counted upon and so i do not admire the human being as an intellectual marvel as much as i did when i was young and got him out of books and did not know him personally when i used to read that such and such a general did a certain brilliant thing i believed it whereas it was not so circumstance did it by help of his temperament the circumstance would have failed of effect with a general of another temperament he might see the chance but lose the advantage by being by nature too slow or too quick or too doubtful once general grant was asked a question about a matter which had been much debated by the public and the newspapers he answered the question without any hesitancy general who planned the march through georgia the enemy he added that the enemy usually makes your plans for you he meant that the enemy by neglect or through force of circumstances leaves an opening for you and you see your chance and take advantage of it circumstances do the planning for us all no doubt by help of our temperaments i see no great difference between a man and a watch except that the man is conscious and the watch isn't and the man tries to plan things and the watch doesn't the watch doesn't wind itself and doesn't regulate itself these things are done exteriorly outside influences outside circumstances wind the man and regulate him left to himself he wouldn't get regulated at all and the sort of time he would keep would not be valuable some rare men are wonderful watches with gold case compensation balance and all those things and some men are only simple and sweet and humble waterberries i am a waterberry 
a waterbury of that kind some say a nation is only an individual multiplied it makes plans and circumstance comes and upsets them or enlarges them some patriots throw the tea overboard some other patriots destroy a bastille the plans stop there then circumstance comes in quite unexpectedly and turns these modest riots into a revolution and there was poor columbus he elaborated a deep plan to find a new route to an old country circumstance revised his plan for him and he found a new world and he gets the credit of it to this day he hadn't anything to do with it necessarily the scene of the real turning point of my life and of yours was the garden of eden it was there that the first link was forged of the chain that was ultimately to lead to the emptying of me into the literary guild adam's temperament was the first command the deity ever issued to a human being on this planet and it was the only command adam would never be able to disobey it said be weak be water be characterless be cheaply persuadable the latter command to let the fruit alone was certain to be disobeyed not by adam himself but by his temperament which he did not create and had no authority over for the temperament is the man the thing tricked out with clothes and named man is merely its shadow nothing more the law of the tiger's temperament is thou shalt kill the law of the sheep's temperament is thou shalt not kill to issue later commands requiring the tiger to let the fat stranger alone and requiring the sheep to imbue its hands in the blood of the lion is not worth while for those commands can't be obeyed they would invite to violations of the law of temperament which is supreme and takes precedence of all other authorities i cannot help feeling disappointed in adam and eve that is in their temperaments not in them poor helpless young creatures afflicted with temperaments made out of butter which butter was commanded to get into contact with fire and be melted what i cannot help wishing is that adam and eve had been postponed and martin luther and joan of arc put in their place that splendid pair equipped with temperaments not made of butter but of asbestos by neither sugary persuasions nor by hell-fire could satan have beguiled them to eat the apple there would have been results indeed yes the apple would be intact to-day there would be no human race there would be no you there would be no me and the old old creation dawn scheme of ultimately launching me into the literary guild would have been defeated end of section nine